This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Stefan Schambach. I'm a software entrepreneur. I build a number of companies in e-commerce and uh, retail technology. And currently, I'm the founder and CEO of Newstore. And uh, at Newstore, we help uh, brands to run their stores on iPhones and provide them with an omnichannel platform that's coming out of the cloud. I was asked to explain what I love about retail. I want to say that I love brands and always found that while they're very sophisticated in e-commerce, retail is something that they run like 20 years ago and wanted to change that with new store. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Retail is Your Business. I'm Mark Rako, and uh, I'm so happy to see my good friend Rebecca Fitz staring at me through my computer window. How, how are you, Rebecca? I'm great, Mark. Great to be staring back at you through my video window. Are you are you out and about these days? Uh, are you you getting more and more into into brick and mortar stores, or uh, what's going yeah, on? I I am. I you know um, we can't avoid it. We're in this part of the pandemic where um, you know I feel comfortable going out and about, and uh, am you know have a little routine going uh, with exercise, which allows me to kind of. Um, pop in and out places on my way here and there outside of the grocery store, which is, is very exciting. So onward and upward or, or trying. Yes. Good for you. (laughs) I will say that I believe I've mastered e-commerce as a, as a consumer based on the number of trips to the post office I have made. So Uh, uh, that, that is my, that's my metric right there. Um, Anyway, uh, I am so happy. We have a really, 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 that was an extra really cool guest today on this episode. Uh, I've actually had the opportunity to talk with him before at Shop Talk in Las Vegas on one of our other shows, Fashion is Your Business, a couple years ago or so. Uh, of course, it's it's uh, Stefan Schombach, the uh, CEO of New Store, which, uh, Stefan, uh, tell me if I have this right, uh, the inventor of the online shopping cart, uh, the mobile platform that enables retailers to run their physical stores uh, on a smartphone, um, and you work with a lot of different retailers, and you've got a lot to say right now uh, about what's going on in the the new world of retail, and and some new stories to tell actually, um, from what I understand. And I'm so excited to have you back here. Uh, so welcome to the show. And where are you coming in from? Thanks for having me. Uh, actually, <laughs> I'm calling from vacation. Vacation. <laughs> and, uh, vacation. It's the first vacation I, uh, that I had uh, since the lockdown. So, yeah, some vacation. You're talking to us, but yeah, that's uh, a- yeah, I know. I, I sense vitamin D though coming in on your camera as opposed to mine. <laughs> am, am I right in that? <laughs> He's got Is sunshine. there sunshine where where you are? <laughs> there's there's sunshine where I am, but I. Okay. I it's a secret. I'd rather not say where. <laughs> See, you have to understand. Uh, no. Stefan has has groupies, so uh, he's okay. got to avoid. Look, there's 
there's no um how nice to have retail groupies um number two there's no certainly no judgment on my behalf on people um attempting to try to go on vacation um even though we're in a pandemic it's you know you got to do it you bet so so stefan i don't usually start this way in an interview but i i kind of want to hand it over to you a little bit what's on your mind these days you know we had an opportunity to be reached out to saying you know we'd love to have stefan join the show he's he's got some very important new things to be sharing and i really like to know maybe just hand the mic over to you a little bit and ask you what's on your mind right now what's going on Mm, maybe i start a little bit with uh you know, why we um, started a new store. Yes. You mentioned that I sort of co-invented the shopping cart and some basic e-commerce technologies. That's true, but that was in the late 90s. And since then, okay. you know, Still cool. e-commerce has been super successful, right? Yes. And I built two companies around it, Intershop and Demandware. Demandware is now a Salesforce commerce cloud. Right. Many brands run that. Actually, I would say it's like 70 or 80% market share um, uh, within brands. Now, what, what we built all these fantastic merchandising tools that made merchandisers independent of IT, where they could configure things, use analytics, play with things, grow revenue much faster than in other channels. At the same time, the same brands run their stores like in the 80s and you know, clunky cash registers, silos, absolutely no integration with uh, the web business. And for some time, it needed to be that way because otherwise the mighty head of retail would kill e-commerce. So the CEOs were clever enough to keep it separate and give the, you know, VP e-commerce sort of their own budget. And for some reason, that has not changed um, as quickly as it should have changed with the result that uh, there was a lot of frustration by customers in the, in the first place um, of, you know, no good integration between retail and, and online. And also, you know, the, the systems basically were um, old, uh, made for a different environment, not made for online. Things like offline mode are important. They're not connected to the internet. It's crazy. So we thought, how can we change this by essentially extending the sophistication and the online nature of e-commerce to stores and run the stores more like extensions to an e-commerce website. And, you know, in particular for brands, you know, we have to look at the history of brands a little bit. Most of them start or have started as wholesale only, and then they carefully added some consumer direct. E-commerce has helped them to win a lot of, um, you know, interaction with, uh, with, with consumers directly. So that was you know, sort of like the first fast-growing uh, consumer direct channel for many brands. And now there's a tendency to grow that uh, beyond just e-commerce. So many brands either have added retail or they're adding retail. And the, the most you know, modern way of adding retail is to look at stores as a um, marketing and customer service investment and not as a PL in itself. And the, the way to think about this is if you go as a customer, if you go to Amazon, Amazon's website, uh, they know immediately who you are, what you bought, what your preferences are. They recognize you, obviously, they can service you accordingly. Um, if you walk into a store of a brand, um, they don't know you. They have no simple way to figure out what you bought before what you are eligible exchanging 
or uh, whether you're a loyal customer or not, there's none, none such thing. So um, what we really set out to do is can we run stores much more data driven and um, make them just as sophisticated in the use of this data um, as uh, an e-commerce website. And in stores, you have people involved, you have associates. So you want to give them tools where they can use this data and add their human element to it, like their ability to advise, for example, um, or to be nice, to form a connection with uh, customers. And essentially, that, that's what we've been um, out doing. We are we basically, we are not building just a modern day POS or something. This is a new way of extending uh, the website via stores to customers with everything that goes along with it. Obviously, if you do that, you then have the ability to sell uh, inventory that's not available in stores. Um, you can uh, be much more helpful. You can almost do what the, or you can basically, a store associate can do what the call center a service person can do because they have access to everything. So it's a very different approach to things. And we, we, we started, you know, we built this platform that could do all these things. And um, our first customer that would really exploit the platform um, was Untucket, they launched in 2018. And uh, since then we have added, you know, a whole bunch of really uh, uh, well-known brands that um, using this, and then came the pandemic. So what happened during the pandemic was that um, on the one hand, obviously it's a catastrophe for my customers because there's not just the store closures. There's also the fact that people just buy fewer uh, or spend less money on fashion because they sit at home. And so many of them have um, had um, you know, year over year declines or at least not growth across all channels. But at the same time, um, they all, um, used, were able to use the ability to ship from stores, uh, have the store associates uh, be productive to sell remotely using the remote selling tools. So, you know, imagine, you know, you have, a, you know, one brand that, that, that doesn't have that capability, they basically have to follow the employees. Um, and the other one, uh, the employees can still be useful and participate in uh, revenue generating and, you know, customer service um, type uh, tasks. Um, so I, I think we've proven that uh, this is more than just, um, you know, a better tech for retail. It's a very different model. And to come back to what I said about Amazon and then being able to measure everything, you know, if you look at the store as a P&L, that's one thing. But if you look at the store as um, I know what my uh, customer acquisition costs are because it's basically the, um, you know, all the fixed costs of the store. Um, divided by the number of uh, new customers that walk in, and obviously I will have to have a high I have to have a high capture rate to really know those are new customers. But if I do, I can I can measure that. Then uh, then I can measure the customer lifetime value over time because they will, if you do everything right, um, purchase uh, in multiple stores or in different channels, also online over time. So I know how much I can spend to acquire a new customer. If I know what I can spend to acquire a new customer, um, then um, I can invest in more stores. And that's what's currently happening with brands. They're investing in stores and they look at them not as a revenue channel, look at them as a marketing and customer service um, investment uh, that they drive using the same metrics that from e-commerce where you also have like a customer lifetime value, 
uh, customer acquisition costs, a margin. And this is how you decide how much money you can spend on acquiring new customers. And guess what? Uh, before the pandemic, um, acquiring customers in uh, strategic placed retail locations was about 30, 40% less expensive than online only. And now it is 50 to 60% less expensive than online only because opening new stores is um, much less expensive due to leases becoming more affordable. You recently released a report where you had, uh, I believe, looked at some 200 brands. And, um, and I know a lot of what you're talking about now is probably reflected in that report. Can, can you talk a little bit about how you went about that and, and kind of what you were able to determine from, from that process? Yes, uh, it's called the Online Leadership Report, and we do real research with you know, lots of people. Uh, there's online research, of course, but we also visit stores to the degree that was possible. Obviously, this year it was a little bit more interesting and we couldn't <laughs> uh, succeed uh, with every brand. Uh, but um, we try to really measure what it means to be a customer of a brand across all channels. Like, you know, we buy something online. We try to um, exchange it in store against something else, maybe buy something additional, then try to buy something that's not available in the store, but in the same transaction. Um, um, and we, we try to measure how long that takes, how difficult it is, if they can do it at all, and all that. And that way we determine, in a way, how customer-friendly a brand is, how uh, good the uh, overall experience is, of, is it, what the overall experience it, it, it is to, to be a customer of that brand. And we obviously do this data-driven, and there are lots of parameters that we look at. And uh, the summary report is available on our website, uh, newstore.com. We also produce uh, specific reports for brands if they ask us. So we have the raw data. They can come to us and ask us, please give me mine with more data than the summary, and we can do that. I'd love to dig down a little bit more. Um, I de definitely heard about New Store. I think I wanted to work for New Store at one point. So it's funny. I, I work at a company called Leap, and we look at um, retailers as brands as well. Um, and so I think it's sometimes a little confusing for folks. But there are so many brands out there. Um, and I'll use somebody who's using New Store, like Outdoor Voices, um, began online, they're a direct-to-consumer brand, and then they went into stores. Just to kind of walk us through the nitty-gritty, I'm actually not an Outdoor Voices customer, but if I was and I walked into the store, where would New Store kind of come into to play? Well, first of all, you wouldn't see much of New Store because they don't have a cash uh, of register. Course not, all the store associates use, a, use an iPhone <laughs> app. Huh? So, right, I mean, the right. first thing you would notice that uh, wherever you meet a store associate, they can do everything for you that you might ask. They can check you out. They can sell you items that are not available in the store. You can put together an outfit and maybe the tank top that's part of uh, the outfit is not available in your size in that store. But um, you pay only once and they ship you that, um, you know, Anywhere else, it would be rather complicated and you would have to have a second transaction, you know, pay again for the online order. In, in their case, it's all uh, integrated in the experience. But they could also and obviously so they could also obviously help you with anything. You know, if you had a question about an item that you bought that um, uh, about materials or whatnot, they could look that up. And so it's a, it's a, basically if you meet an employee anywhere in the store, they can do everything for you right away with no uh, delay. 
Got it. And when you say no delay, so say I pick out a great tank top, but the tennis skirt that I want isn't available. Um, so they order it for me online to be sent to my house. Is it picked and packed from the store? Is it picked and packed from somewhere else? Or it doesn't really matter. It's seamless for me as the customer. Well, they would ask you, they would basically say, um, we have that in another store or they, we have this on the website. Um, would you like to pick it up or would you like to have that sent to you? And that would be ah. it. There would be no, uh, can you please spell your address or um, we need to go to a computer screen. There's no such thing. If right, you, right. If you Which pay, is delightful, by the way. Right. <laughs> and if you pay with your phone, the shipping address is automatically transmitted. So there is no typing, no time, no, no time based whatsoever. And it's interesting. So I picked a brand that is um, a direct-to-consumer brand, legacy brands, if you will, or more modern retailers, whatever folks want to call them for the purposes of, of this conversation. I think you see a little less of this, um, but same thing. So if I've been a great customer at, I'm going to pick somebody who probably isn't on the platform, um, J. Crew they should be able to do the same thing for me. So say I bought a great blouse at J. Crew, it's not really perfect for me. I go to return it at the store. Am I going to be able to do it? And and the answer is yes, if if they're using new store. There would be. I mean, there are retailers who have invested in similar capabilities by stitching together older retail systems and, you know, adding a little bit of uh, sizzle on top. But often that uh, is difficult to learn for the store associates they can't really use it, and therefore it's not being offered, or it takes very long. And I know what I'm talking about because I made videos at, at brands uh, just having fun with uh, uh, the confusion uh, that the store associates uh, had if they had well, to do anything complicated. Yeah. Right, right. I've come up through the omni-channel chain when it really wasn't great, and the struggle between the e-com part of the business and the the physical retail part of the business was um, real, not even in com being competitive, but um, I'm sure there's a huge cost savings exactly, in exactly, using yeah. new store because people were at that point when I was kind of coming up through it, were trying to build things to integrate their systems. And it was so colossally, I think, complex and I, I wasn't an intimate part of it and expensive um, that it was you know, it was a deterrent to really want to do it. Yes. I mean, I would say cost savings is a definite effect, but uh, the, ma the majority of our customers uh, choose us because of basically revenue uplift and uh, inventory efficiency, which are much bigger financial effects than the cost savings. So, you know, think of it this way. If you try to get to omnichannel by spending five years in IT, and at the end of the day, your associates still can't use it because it's too complicated. You lost, you know, four or five years of uh, opportunity to sell more at better prices for as a brand, right? Uh, whereas, uh, you know, with Newstore, it's pretty clear that, for example, endless aisle or selling items that are not available in a store, it seems very straightforward, but there are a couple tricks uh, that you, know, you need to have. So, for example, you need to be able to sell that in one transaction, not two different ones. See what I mean? So you have to make it super simple for the customer to just say yes if you ask as an associate, can we ship that to you because we don't have it in this store? 
It yeah, has to be like supernatural. Yeah. yeah, I've certainly had the double ask of, oh, I, you put your card away and then, oh, wait, I need it again because they're probably going through another system. Um, if you're, you know, a customer and you're kind of thinking exactly. about that. Exactly. Yep. And then if you think about, you know, what, what, is it, what, is, what it takes to ship from another store, um, the first thing it takes is you have to have precision inventory because if the inventory is at POS level uh, accuracy, which is like 70%, you have to have a significant safety stock level, and that uh, defies the purpose. I mean, what you want to do is sell until the last item without disappointing a customer. Um, and you can only do this if you have really precise inventory. So we also manage the inventory, and there is no time lag because it's the same system. It's all retail. It's all real time. Uh, so this is the reason why we can promise that inventory in other stores. We also... Push, use push notifications to um, message the store associates to immediately take something out of the shelf if another customer wants to have that shipped or um, uh, prepared for pickup. So it's the real-time nature of what we do and uh, the fact that we really use mobile technology to um, inform um, associates uh, of things that need to get done, like ASAP, that we can do all that. Um, and, you know, I don't have to tell you this, but if you can... Uh, sell all the um, inventory, especially the uh, uh, very popular items uh, and, and, and sizes without having inventory left that would need to be discounted at the end of the season. That's a very significant uh, bottom line effect. So this is why I'm saying we are getting chosen mostly not because we are less expensive. We're getting chosen because we really move the needle on, on bottom line and profitability. Amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, inventory is, um, you know, a huge issue and certainly the supply chain during COVID and trying to move through things and move through seasons um, was very challenging for, for brands. Yes. It's interesting. We had some customers who, I mean, normally uh, you uh, try to ship from the DC first and then um, you, know, you ship from stores or maybe the customer wants uh, to have it shipped from store. We have some customers who decided during COVID to uh, prefer ship from store, to ship from store first, essentially. And some of them have um, uh, up to 60% of online orders shipping from stores. So they can work with their inventory uh, very differently. Um, Which is super, a, yeah. super smart, super great use of space um, and, and paying rent. You mentioned I'm on the physical store side and the, and particularly the real estate side of the business. Um, and uh, there's lots going on with rents and deal making and, um, you know, how will we come out of COVID? Um, so are you finding, um, because there's, I think, still kind of a debate going on about what is more affordable? Um, is it? paying rent maybe at Maine and Maine uh, versus acquiring customers through Instagram or Facebook or some other online medium? Yeah, as a, uh, we have numbers on it. It's, it's very simple. Um, if you are an online-only brand and your only way of acquiring customers is online, it is extremely expensive. It's uh, At the moment, it's twice as expensive as a hybrid model. There's a big difference. Um, you think about it, you have a, a duopoly pretty much between Facebook and Google, especially if everything moves online, the bidding mechanisms increase the prices even more. Uh, so, so, you know, while there has been more e-commerce, yes, but it's also gotten even more expensive to acquire customers online. It's, quite, it's crazy expensive. 
And uh, the other way around, if you, if you, if you just look at it the other, the other way around, um, you know, if you have, if you can measure uh, what your new customers are, where you want them and what they uh, subsequently purchase, you have very fine grain control over, you really know what the, your store investment is doing for you, right? So because of that data, we know it is uh, you know, ex extremely good return of investment. And if it's not because you kind of made a mistake with uh, placing it in the wrong corner of town, no problem. You find out really quickly. You find out in two or three months and you just close it. That's Relocate. an expensive yeah. mistake to make, depending on your lease terms. W one last question from me. They have um, changed too. They have changed too. There are much more. There are many more short-term leases right now. Oh, absolutely. And 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 I'm doing lots of them. And uh, folks are putting lots of outs in their leases because if it doesn't work out, and the world is very very fluid right now, so you might be on Main and Main, um, but high streets are having problems. A-level malls are, are are having vacancies that they've never had before. Um, one last question for you. Uh, kind of on this, we've played out this example really well, but um, in acquiring new customers, so I said, I'm not a customer of Outdoor Voices, I go in, is it simply that I make one purchase and then I'm part of their system and I'm part of yes. the new store platform? Got it. Okay. Pretty pretty much. And, you know, obviously the um, store associates are open about, you know, we'd like to send you a receipt and we will store your email. They will, but they will ask, do you want to be, you know, uh, oh, um, a bit. newsletter list or not? So, right. so, so they're, they're not going to abuse based. it, but at least, right. you know, we, we, we provide them with a tool where uh, for like 99% of their uh, transactions, they can assign it to the right customer record. Right. And Which I'm assuming it's yeah. right. If I make a purchase anywhere, so say I don't go into outdoor voices, but I make it online again, same exact. Uh, yeah, online is easy. Online, you have a valid email address. Right. That well, matches exactly. to the email and address I'm putting in, in all so my information. Yeah. The stores yeah. are difficult. Yeah. So one of the key um, uh, strategies has to be to get the cap capture rate of a unique identifier, let's say the email, to as close to 100% in stores as possible. And for that, you have to buy that permission from customers with convenience. You can't make it complicated. You have to do it in a way that is super natural and, and easy in the payment process, for example. Right, right. Very interesting. Lots of change out there. Have you taken a look at StoryDot yet? Every brand and every product has a story to tell. And you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point in their journey, connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience, and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at StoryDot at StoryDot.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-D-O-T.com. Stefan, um, slight pivot uh, of topic, but a little bit related to something we were talking about. Interested in your thoughts. Given um, you know topic a lot of people have obviously been talking about, which is the rapid education and integration of people into feeling comfortable with e-commerce and that being a part of their purchasing pattern. 
more than ever before. For those who weren't doing e-commerce as a regular thing, if they walked by a store and didn't have time to go in, or they walked by during closed hours, a physical, a brick and mortar store, um, for them, the answer probably was, well, the next time I'm in this area, the next time I come, I have to come when they're open. It interests me, but that's what my solution is. They're, they may not have been thinking, well, I'll just jump online. Obviously, that's more and more something that was always growing in recent years. And there's a lot more people now that are going to walk by and say, well, I think I'll just go on their online store. Um, that behavior has changed. Can you talk a little bit about any insights or reflections that you have about, you know, the fact that stores can't just take physical stores can't just take the physical retail experience and just plop it online and for it to work. They actually have to have a very strategically designed online presence that works for online in the way people experience and visit online. But you want to take people that would have been interested in the physical experience, grab them and lasso them and make sure that you don't lose their interest now that they've become educated and familiar and maybe even comfortable with e-commerce and work with that existing brick and mortar experience to pull them into the e-commerce world but not feel like they've gone to a different world. Essentially, brands, vertically integrated brands, they need to uh, find ways to pull people into their brand world. Okay. And a store is a much better vehicle to do that because, um, you know, immediately the merchandise can be uh, experienced, the branding can be experienced, um, the smell or other things that you can easily transport through a website. A website basically is a, is a is an online version of a printed catalog still if you with a search feature pretty much right so um i'd say um it in most cases for vertically integrated brand they don't want to be dependent upon a third third party marketplace uh, like farfetch for example if they want to stand on their own uh, they have to have a hybrid model they have to have a close closely integrated online uh, and retail type of brand experience you know, very, uh, there's cross-pollination, right? For example, you order online, but you can pick it up in stores and actually it's encouraged because if I pick something up in store, the chances are that there's an upsell. Huh? Or, you know, I, I, I buy online, I have it shipped from store because the inventory is there and I can have it sooner. And, you know, in the U.S., it's a big country, you know, that that's a that's a definitely a factor. You know, if you have ship from one single DC and, um, you know, you don't want to, you know, get get killed on, on uh, you know, shipping charges as a brand, you know, that you can't necessarily uh, uh, charge your customers. Uh, that's a very good model, actually. It's, the funny thing is on, on chip from store, uh, what intrigued me was uh, Farfetch. Farfetch in, you know, you know my, Newstore has a place, has a has uh, some R&D in, in Europe. Um, and uh, I have a place in Europe, um, in Germany. And if you order from Farfetch in Europe, they basically, and you you have a shopping cart of five or six items, they, chances are every item is shipped from a different boutique. Still, you get most of them next day, no problem. It is faster than ordering from some big brands via that DC. So the customer service that can be delivered um, through uh, sort of you know, e-commerce order 
but store fulfillment I saw back then is clearly possible to do better than DCs. And especially, and, 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 and mind you, in this example, uh, you know, it's, it's being shipped from far away, from, from outside of uh, the uh, uh, country of the customer. So um, it is definitely possible to come up with a much better service level um, if you have lots of ship from store. So what I mean by that, this is all integrated and the clever use of the, of the um, different uh, channels and uh, you know, uh, the, the cross-sell that goes along with it uh, uh, is really the trick here and not either or. There's a big push right now because um, online and offline, uh, so let's say a DTC brand that actually has stores in um, getting product out, particularly within the um, pandemic. And I think lots of people are thinking about this. So not just brands, but um, real estate folks in building, taking space that might used to have been industrial or retail and turning it into industrial and making those DTCs that are closer to cities. Are you feeling um, the impact of that? Um, no, and I, I honestly, I, I think that will never be a major trend. Um, this, this, it will have some impact, but it's not going to be, I mean, for, for, for a vertically integrated brand, it's much more interesting to also be the marketing and the customer service aspect of that and not just the, the ship, shipping aspect. Uh, so it's a okay, really agreed. clever, you know, multiple use of one investment. <laughs> um, right, right. The store is the omni-channel, yeah, yes. home base. Absolutely, absolutely. And you could argue that you don't necessarily, I mean, the new model is going to be basically um, a single DC uh, for a large region, let's say the US, and this DC is shipping to the stores and it's shipping to consumers, but the bulk of the inventory will be in the stores and ship from store will be the preferred model, uh, in particular when it's close to the customer. Because it is so efficient, we do this at scale and um, you know, it's integrated with the shippers, you know, there's no manual process, it's basically just accepting for the store, it says they accept the task, they, scan, they find the item, they scan the item to make sure it's, it's it's the right uh, color size combination. So they all have serial numbers. Um, and then, the, you know, the, there's a printout, they put it in the back um, and then they know when, this, when the shipper is, is picking it up. It's, it, and if there's something goes wrong along the way, we detect it and trigger another process. So it's so, so automated now um, that it can absolutely compete with uh, a DC in particular because it's not necessarily something where you need additional staff. They, they do have downtime between customers and they can uh, they store associates and they can, they can uh, work on uh, ship from store or pick up in store. Yeah, absolutely. And these days they probably have quite a bit of downtime, can, you know, between customers, um, depending on where they are in the, the country. So Stefan, uh, sort of in closing on this topic, if you were to um, have an opportunity somehow to go into every possible office of the top strategist for every major retailer, grab them by the collar and try to look them in the eye and tell them something that you just wish they would get through their head that could change everything. What would you want that message to be? I would think these brands, they become digital businesses and they have to think much more like Amazon than, uh, uh, than uh, thinking as a retailer. I think this is what they're all missing. Interesting. It's it's kind of makes me think of how a lot of brands 
over the last two or three years, we're starting to think, hey, maybe we're a technology company more than anything else. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit, having to just realize that. Yes, I mean, look, it is a technology business. The technologists um, among the, uh, the, you know, the the CEOs will be the winners, clearly. And uh, those, those who, uh, you know, basically trying to reapply concepts from 20 years ago, uh, even if they can apply them with more experience and, and even better, this is not cutting it. It's just not cutting it. So it's it's really about in a world where everything is driven by technology, how can I stay on top and what kind of people and what kind of culture do I need for that? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for that. that that's probably very important information. All right. Up next, a quick round of personal questions as we look at the human side or perhaps more human side of Stefan Schambach right after this. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point. So then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What?, as we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What? on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. All right, Stefan, this is the part of the show where we uh, can loosen our tie and and get a little more comfortable or maybe less comfortable. Uh, Maybe that's really true, Rebecca. I have uh, not worn a tie in in ages. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And and, uh, let's talk about Stefan. So, um, you're not allowed to. You're not. You're not able to tell us where you are in the world right now, and we respect that. But what I'd like to know is when you're on vacation, other than you know being on interviews for podcasts and whatever other meetings you've had today. When you're on vacation, what do you like to do that makes it feel like vacation for you? Where where you did this, mission accomplished. Well, mostly I like to unwind, and I'm an I'm an outdoor person, so I you know like to you know do something and you know cycling or sailing or diving or skiing or something like that. That's really what I want to do. I do some work because it's unavoidable (laughs) anyway. Uh, But I try to limit it to like, I don't know, you know, two hours a day or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, If if you had to choose between cycling, diving, um, and whatever all the other choices you just gave were, what's, if you could only do one of those, which one would it be? I think sailing. Yeah, you're a big water guy. Do you own your own boat? Yes. What kind of a boat is it, if you, if you don't mind sharing that? Uh, I have a nice catamaran, uh, but that one's currently, it got, you know, it's a, it, because of COVID, it got stuck in Indonesia and I can't oh, get there. No. So. <laughs> but wow. normally, yes, I, I, um, I, I'm a you know, pretty good sailor and uh, I, I really love sailing. I love the freedom and uh, the self-determined uh you know you, you i can go wherever i want it's one of the last freedoms you know if you fly you know the, 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 this is all regulated but uh 
you know, sailing, you can sail between countries, you're in no man's land, you have to, you're on your own, you have to make your own decisions and there's nobody else, um, you know, really caring about what you're doing. Isn't it something to be out far on the water, just your little boat? Not that it's little, but you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and, and the literal only sound you can hear is whatever sounds your boat is making, whatever sound the water's making, and whatever sound the air is making. There is no other sound. Yep. It's an, I love that. Sounds great incredible. to me. <laughs> this is why I love sailing and not motorboating. So it's an incredible and, and, thing. And no mask. <laughs> no mask. Assuming you're you're on a boat with people that you know. Um uh, well, and I hate to bring it back to reality, but um, what during the pandemic you've you've gotten out and gotten some fresh air, which is amazing. Have you picked up any new hobbies or did you do anything that you normally wouldn't have as far as uh, enjoyment? There's something that I didn't do, uh, which is traveling extensively and across time zones all the time. And that was actually good for me, I thought. Now, don't get me wrong. I love traveling. But uh, the frequent time zone changes, they take a toll. And not having to deal with this was really a luxury. I, I hear that, by the way. And I think you probably got time back where you weren't traveling yes. to an airport. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely got time back. And, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, very nice. There, there's little silver linings. We have to remember them. Thank you for that. I, I thank you for having me, and uh, I enjoyed the interview. Thank you. Well, good luck to you. It's good to see you again. Uh, how can people connect with you either directly or, you know, through your company or through LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn, or LinkedIn is easiest. LinkedIn is easiest, definitely. Gotcha. So it's Stefan, S-T-E-P-H-A-N, Schambach, C-H-A-M-B-A-C-H for those LinkedIn adventurers. Well, uh, Stefan, I, I hope, watch this, Rebecca. I hope that the rest of the year is smooth sailing for you. Do you see what I did there, Rebecca? Uh, <laughs> and um, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoy the rest of your vacation. And uh, congratulations on everything not only you've accomplished, but much appreciation to all the wisdom and insights that you offer to the industry overall. It's, it's, it's so valuable. So, Thank you very much. Right. Take care. Yeah. Great. Well, that's it for this episode of Retail is Your Business. Uh, and an informative one it was uh, for sure. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being with us. We, we so appreciate it. But until next time, for Rebecca Fitz. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Mark. You betcha. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business.